The Northeast Newscast is brought to you by the Northeast News, the voice of historic Northeast Kansas City since 1932. Interested in helping promote your business while also keeping the voice of the Northeast alive? Advertise with the Northeast News today by calling 816-241-0765 or by emailing northeastnews at socket.net. Thank you for listening, thank you for reading, and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and I'll be joined this week for a very special episode with husband and wife team Michael Bushnell and Chris Adams, co-publishers of the Northeast News. We'll be talking about the past, the present, and the future of the Northeast News during this episode. Topics include their purchase of the Northeast News nearly 19 years ago, how they developed the editorial strategy from there, some of the biggest topics they've covered during their ownership of the paper, And finally, the couple opens up about the issues that nearly led to the dissolution of the publication in late May. The episode concludes with a look into what the future may hold for the Northeast News and what the community can do to make sure that the publication stays here, proudly serving the historic Northeast community for the long haul. Thanks again to all of our listeners, readers, advertisers, and supporters. We couldn't continue to do this without you. Here's Michael Bushnell and Chris Adams. I'll start by asking you about, what, 19 years ago in July, you're looking at the Northeast News, it's a community newspaper at the time. From what I understand, it's not that similar to what it, to what it is today, but maybe I, I, I could ask you to describe that in your own words. What did you see in the Northeast News when you, when you looked at the, the publication back in, so I guess that would be, what, 1998? At, at the time... I was the executive director of the Northeast Chamber of Commerce and was speaking with a chamber member who was a commercial real estate agent and he indicated that most people don't know that the Northeast News is for sale. And my ears kind of perked up because part of the pro- one of the projects that I was working on with the chamber was the development of a community newsletter that would actually publish community news. and. At the time, the Northeast News was pretty much dedicated to nothing more than, than ad copy. It was, it was a shopper for all intents and purposes. And so in, in January of 1998, we started down that road and jumping through all of the hoops, the financial hoops, and uh, everything else that would be involved in purchasing an existing business and all with the idea to give the community a voice. There was enough good happening here that we thought it needed to get out. Mm -hmm. And as a next neighborhood association president at the time, or at the time I actually was president of Scare Renaissance, um, we had a whole bunch of stuff going on that that was good for the community. So that word needed to get out. And so hence, that was one of the primary reasons of the purchase of the paper at the time. I would only toss in that every week that it appeared, it would go straight into the recycling bin because everything that was any kind of article ended with, see ad on page three. (laughs) So unless somebody had purchased an ad, there was no news. Right. And I get that. Um, It's a different type of model though, right? Totally different. Closer to a thrifty nickel or something of that nature. Exactly. I guess I'd ask, what was the process like in negotiating and or or kind of executing the sale with the previous owner? Were they? You, it was for sale apparently. 
uh, were the negotiations amenable and um, did they kind of share your vision for what it could be? They did not share that vision. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an understatement. They absolutely didn't share that uh -huh. vision. It was down to um, father and daughter. They were still using wax typeset. Wow. There was wax over every surface at the previous <laughs> office because you can't escape wax residue everywhere. I um, mm -hmm. remember spatuling, using a spatula to scrape it off the floors. It was it was that bad. Um, so so yeah, it was it was quite the <laughs> endeavor. You you have to keep in mind that this was in the age of pay step, right. and part of pay step was. Everywhere else in the country, Every, right. it was the tail end of paste up. The actually. last vestige, and um, so you had you had we had two waxing machines, and as well as ten or twelve you know blocks of wax that you would heat up, and it would go on the back of the of the Kodak paper, the PMT paper, if you will, and that's that's essentially how ads were built with razor knives and wax and PMT paper, and that's that's essentially how you cut and pasted and laid out the paper at the time. There were books of images that you'd razor out and then put, oh my gosh, I can't even. The, to, Wildly laborious stuff. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah. To kind of, and at that particular point in time, the previous owner of the paper had, had really kind of morphed into more of a, of a hermit that people would actually come into the office if they wanted a picture published or... Uh, if they, God forbid, wanted a news story published, because usually if you wanted a news story published at the time, his response was, do you want to buy an ad? And then if you bought an ad, maybe you got your news story into the paper, maybe not. It just depended on how he felt at the time. Even stray dogs needed to have a paid found dog ad at the time. Wow. Bunny the News Hound was my only encounter with the previous owners because she was a stray the neighborhood kids had found. <laughs> and I came in, here's this great dog that, that was lost. Well, unless you're willing to pay for something, we're not going to publish that. Okay. And we ended up keeping her until she died. So uh, Bunny the News Hound is um, interestingly related to the Northeast News in its previous incarnation. It almost sounds like he ran it like a mafia don or something. You know, like, <laughs> like the opening scene of Godfather, you go and kneel in front of him, and then they say, well, maybe I can get this fixed for you. Maybe Hon not. Honestly, I think it was more bitterness right. that... Um, well, he had... He had recently lost his wife, and his wife and he were partners at the paper. Mm -hmm. And so Mary was was kind of the front, she was the front of the paper, and that's who people dealt with. And she was more on the news side of the house. I think Terry kind of took more of a backseat role until she passed away. And then, then it was, ah, are you going to buy an ad? No, we're not going to do that. You know, that kind of whole... It just became more of an adversarial relationship. Right. And if you've, uh, I don't know, on the day that we closed at, at, at Central Bank, and, and they, oh my God, they were so helpful in shepherding us through this process. Uh, I, I went into the Northeast News office, which at the time was up the street, and I literally, literally was afraid to sit down. And I'm a guy. And I was afraid to sit down in that office. Because of the dirt, it the was, filth. It was, there was years yeah. of dust and stacks of paper everywhere. Oh, so it was, it was quite the sight. 
Well, how much of it did you keep, if any of it? Oh, we we jettisoned quite a bit. We 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 made the transition relatively quickly, and through the process of literally our first editor walking into the door and said, "Hey, I can do this for you. How about this, this, and this?" and you know, the late Norm Mason was really instrumental in, in creating creating the you know how we look today and and creating how uh, the features in the paper and and some of the things that we do today. That that was that all goes back to 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 our first editor, the late Norm Mason. If we could scrape wax and dirt and clean the surface, it's still with us. Mm -hmm. uh, the desks that are here pretty much all came from that office because at one time. It, it apparently had enough staff right. that the various desks and things um, were used. So file cabinets and desks, um, things like that, you know, that could be cleaned. Right. So there, there are some elements of it yep. that made the transfer over. And um, I'm glad you brought up the, the editorial side as well and how you kind of developed that vision. What was it that you wanted this thing to become at that point when, when you closed that day at Central Bank? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to look like from an editorial side? I had I'd cut my teeth back in the mid-1980s at the dispatch up north of the river. And uh, that was a, a Townsend Communications publication. They had the dispatch, Wednesday Magazine. Uh, at the time, I think they had Raytown, uh, Liberty Trib, Carney. They didn't have Carney at the time. So that was really my vision. I wanted to create kind of what the dispatch was to Clay and Platte counties down here in Northeast. And so that, with Norm's help and uh, our, our first photo editor, Brad Finch, we kind of moved in that direction. And so we, we already had a model established as to where we wanted to go and how we wanted to do it. Nice. Um, well, so on that note then, you, you kind of have an idea of where you want to go, but the certain elements, I imagine, uh, kind of come a little bit from your personality, and I wanted to ask specifically about the postcard stuff. Is that, was that come from a hobby? Was that something that was carried over? Can you tell me a little bit more about where that came from and how you started putting that feature together? When, when I moved into Northeast in 1990, I kind of I had already been an, uh, an area history buff, so I thought, hey, what better way to, you know, I want to live in an old house. I'm going to collect old postcards of of the Kansas City area, and it just kind of it really morphed into what the collection that I have today is roughly 3,500 unduplicated views of Kansas City, Missouri, from around the turn of the 20th century, and I thought. If we're gonna if we're gonna coin the phrase historic Northeast, then maybe we should develop a column, or I can develop a column based on these postcards. So, I and I fashioned it after Mrs. Sam Ray's postcard column in the Kansas City Star in the late 70s and early 80s, where they would exhibit a card or show a card, show a little or tell a little bit about the view on the card, maybe the publisher of the card, and any personal message written on the back. So that column kind of developed into my first book, which is Historic Postcards of Old Kansas City, which we published in 2003. And that's just kind of a synopsis of the first couple of years of postcards that appeared in the Northeast News. Hmm. And it, it continues to appear today because of, I don't know, I still have a real strong interest in local history and Kansas City history and that kind of thing. And there still are copies of that book available if you need them, let us know. <laughs> oh, there you go. Call our offices, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, quick aside, you mentioned coining the term historic Northeast. 
Where did that come from? That that goes right back to our first editor, Norm Mason. And we, we had the conversation that, you know, look at all these old houses. This is great. You've got some great historic housing stock. This is a historic neighborhood. So anytime we refer to the neighborhood in the paper, we're going to call it Historic Northeast. Mm-hmm. And so that term that has now enveloped the, the entire community originated in the, the newsroom of the Northeast News in 1998. Hmm. And that's funny, too, because I just sort of picked that up right when I started here. I, I noticed that in all our stuff, we always said Historic Northeast. And I like it kind of salty now when I see uh, other other organizations call it Old Northeast or something. I was like, that sounds so drab. It's historic. So I wanted to ask you about that because you had mentioned about the coining of it. So pretty cool. So what was that relationship like with Norm? You, you mentioned him a couple times now. Um, how did you know him before uh, you started this <clears> thing? Norm literally fell into our laps through our mutual friends. Um, he actually came to Kansas City due to friends that had moved into Historic Northeast and now own the fabulous Inn at 425 over on Gladstone Boulevard, um, Carl and Stefan. Norm had a background in journalism, had done everything that we needed and needed a job when he got here, so literally fell into us. The stars aligned. The stars aligned Mm -hmm. and there was Norm, so Hmm. it was pretty amazing. Literally, it was... We had just put our first issue to bed, and that was the July 1st, 1998 issue. Uh, you know, through much help with Terry and, and his daughter, and you know, got that off to press. And the next day, Norm walks into the paper and mm-hmm. says, Let me redesign this ad for you. And so, okay, fine, great. So, we gave him the material and one thing led to another. He shot us a bid. Hey, I'll do this for you. I'll do this and this and this for you for X amount of money per week. And we said, hired. <laughs> and so that relationship lasted for uh, roughly four, about about three or four years. And sadly, health reasons took Norm away from the paper. And that's when we kind of started moving in a in a little bit, I won't say different direction, but that's when we started hiring editors and designers because Norm was kind of both and he would he would spend Tuesday night here at the paper or Monday night here at the paper designing and laying everything out and then we would send Tuesday morning okay. um, so we've really refined that process back to a to an art in getting the paper out the door on Mondays hmm interesting now the other thing I wanted to ask you about uh, was the the buzz the, the bunny the news hound stuff uh, when did that come into play was that from the get-go too we were looking for some cute way to do an editorial, and I think it was Brad Finch who came up with that idea. Hmm. So here I am, holding Bunny, crouched under a table with a fedora on the top of her head while they figured out how to get the right shot of Bunny the new sound. Hmm. So there, there's Bunny. And it's, it's kind of a catch-all. Michael doesn't always write buzz. Um, sometimes it comes from other members of the community. Mm-hmm. Um, over the years, but and it, and it's it's really kind of that column has morphed as well. It, it initially started out as a kind of a gossipy, well, so and so and such and such went to the you know went to the French Riviera on vacation and they came back well tanned and then mm-hmm. you jump the to days, a yeah. you jump to a different person or a different event and so and so and such and such. So and you're reporting about some event that happened at the Kansas City Museum or something mm-hmm. like that and. 
Bunny would show up at events, in fact. Oh. She was quite the little celebrity. So she'd pop up, and then and then you would write it from her perspective? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was really kind of funny. We had a, a, I think it was the fall festival down at the concourse. And at the time, uh, Ed Ford was in his first stint as city councilman. And so Ed shows up, and he said, I want to take my picture with Bunny. I never know where that dog is going to show up, yada, yada, yada. So he takes his picture with Bunny, and he's got this Cheshire Cat grin on his face, and he's holding Bunny like he's strangling her. It looks like he's not. He's scratching her ears. He's scratching her ears, but it looks like he's strangling her. So that picture ran (laughs) on the front page of the paper, much to Ed's chagrin. And so the dog was, you know, Ed's... The dog followed Ed around for his first and his second stint as city councilman, and uh, sometimes Ed liked it, and sometimes Ed didn't. <laughs> yeah, was that was that photo ever recurring then? Whenever uh, something bad happened that he was involved with at city hall, you bring it back out. That would it, have been a great idea. It, 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 it was in Ed's mind. It, it, and he was I think always worried really, about yes, it from then on forward. He huh? was he worried about the dog from that day forward. Cool. Well, uh, while we're while we're telling anecdotes, I figured one of the things I wanted to ask you about were were some of the big stories that have uh, been covered over the years here. Uh, I know that there's been some big stuff lately. At least since I've been here, it seems like there's been a ton of them. But uh, I want to kind of look at historically too. Are there some things that really pop out and stick out that that really made you f- you feel like a newspaperman when you were going through this stuff over the years? <laughs> one of the one of the first things was uh, probably. In Teresa Lohr's first stint as city council person, there was a movement by the Parks Department to fill the reservoir up with dirt and just cover it over. And now we're talking about the reservoir that's above Cliff Drive in the Pendleton Heights neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so Cliff Drive was a passion of Norm's and Brad's. So they put the word out there on the front page of the paper and call your you know, city council person, call the parks department, tell them not to fill this up with dirt. It's historic. It needs this and that. You know. And at the time, they were going to do an extreme sports park with it. Uh, that money is still pending, and the, what they're going to do with the reservoir is still pending. But that was probably one of the biggest and the, uh, the first and the biggest story that we, we ever kind of went after. Um, one of the others would obviously be the Kansas City Museum, and that that is really ongoing and it's interesting that we're talking about this because this came up on social media last night uh, one of the one of the meetings early meetings that uh, the museum had with the Scarlet Renaissance neighborhood uh, was with then director David Yuko and his faithful sidekick Bill Musgrave and uh, that's when they were developing the partnership between Union Station and the Kansas City Museum and that whole partnership was based on Union Station wanting to divert some of the mill levy money to Union Station for upkeep and development of of, of exhibits and things like that. And so the museum issue has been an ongoing story for the Northeast News, at least in the 19 years that we've owned it, and actually even prior to that. It was it goes right back to 1987. And prior editors have gone all the way back to 1987 and there's probably four drawers of, of file cabinets here in the office that are de- dedicated specifically to the Kansas City Museum. Hmm. So that's obviously one of the bigger stories that that, that continues to be a story. Um, I would say most recently the biggest thing that, that we've probably done is uh, the October 12, 2015 fire mm-hmm. that, that killed John and Larry, the two firefighters there at Independence and Prospect. And, sure. and that 
you know, that story continues to, to develop and, and the trial that is pending later on this summer. So, In fact, um, when the, um, the, I guess the accused in that case is, is having a hearing this Friday. So, yeah, I mean, even, even till today and into, I guess, September, they're, they're supposed to have a, a jury trial starting. So that story is just going to keep going and going and going, I think, until, until some justice is served there. And this this is their final. They've got to go to trial in September on that one. There's no more postponements on that one. So, I would say that uh, recently that's probably the biggest one. And now, obviously, we're covering the airport and mm-hmm. uh, the geo bonds and and things like that. So it's really it's really satisfying to us as as, as partner owners, team members, if you will, to see how we've really developed from covering local neighborhood news. And you know how that's morphed out to okay. Now we're covering issues that affect our, our our population, our residents, and our neighbors. So, from a bigger sense, and and I think that's that's satisfying to to both of us to see that happen and to see that develop. Cool, yeah, Chris. Were there some some anecdotes or stories that maybe came to you? I always enjoy finding the larger news outlets picking up our stories. Um, there, there's. I've noticed it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, little, old, little or less, a mm-hmm. little fifty-seven, fifteen here. Um, the major channels in the area will sometimes call Michael for photos, for um, what do you know about this story that that you all found. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony's Kansas City, one of the local blogs, mm-hmm. um, has. Given us a couple of shout outs, um, probably more than a couple. Over Even the today. Years. Really? Oh, oh, very nice. Yeah, we so, hear, thank hear from you. them re- regularly, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, here we are. You know, we're, we're all still here. How, do you still have that same fire and enthusiasm that you did when you bought this thing almost 19 years ago? Even more so now. Yeah. Um, I. I it's, it's really, I think, for us, all about community journalism and how, how do. How do people support community journalism in an ongoing fashion? And you know, we've we've been through a couple of rough patches recently. We're still navigating our way uh, through that labyrinth, if you will, of of regulation and 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 working things through with our with our local investor and moving forward. But you know, it's really kind of focused on micro news right here in the community and and news that affects our residents and our neighbors and it's if not us then who because certainly you know the major daily isn't going to pay that much attention to us they it's it's clear where their allegiances lie and it's certainly not in the neighborhoods that that are so important to Kansas City moving forward um the and as I've cited so many times in, in column after column, uh, the, the the electronic media, if it bleeds, it leads. They swoop in, cover the story, and then they leave. And we need somebody right here to cover the news in this neighborhood. And that's why community journalism is so important to neighborhoods throughout the state and the country. And it's sad to see that print is, is kind of taking that turn. And how about you, Chris? Well, I've been uninvolved in the day-to-day operations for uh, a long, long time. Originally, we'd get together Monday, I'd come home after school, um, change into something more comfortable than school stuff, and then I'd do the copy editing. Uh, We'd throw a casserole in the 1940-whatever oven that was at the previous location, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the three of us would have dinner while we uh, finished up on the paper. Mm -hmm. And then... um, Recently, I've had to get back involved 
um, mm -hmm. I'd say in the last couple of weeks to uh, help the vision and to make sure that we get back on the right track um, organizationally. So um, there's nothing like having something almost not exist, I think, to make you appreciate it even more. Sure. So. Absolutely. And as far as editorially moving forward, I know that, you know, I'm involved in that too, but uh, I'm sure you thought about it. Me and Michael always, you know, we'll sit around here and think about what, what can be and what, you know, what needs to be. Um, what would you like to see this thing turn into as we kind of find our legs and move forward? One of the, one of the visions that, that I've had for the last couple of years and that I really haven't been able to focus on is moving to a nonprofit status, uh, 501c3, c6, whatever that looks like from an official standpoint, but developing a, a regional journalism, community journalism incubator where college students would have the opportunity to come in and have a full immersion community journalism, print journalism experience. And that would involve, you know, project management, that would involve day-to-day -day assignments, it would involve podcasting, it would involve, you know, just taking video. Oh my God, it's, it, that's evolved so much just for us as print journalists in the last five to seven years that, you know, we're not carrying around the bulky cameras anymore. We can do that with our smartphones and then broadcast from the from the scene of an incident, whatever it may be, live. and. It's, it's just changing journalism on a, on a day-to-day -day basis, but offer those kind of experiences to college students within the region so that w we start graduating people that are journalists that are effective no matter what platform they're, they're asked to work on. And that's, that's kind of my vision. And we want to be there within 12 to 15 months of right now. And whether that's in this building or another building uh, under another organization, that's kind of the development track that we want to take from here forward. And I think it's important to both of us that we maintain a print as well as a web presence. Mm -hmm. um, both of us feel that there is value in the printed word, mm -hmm. something that you can hold in your hands and that you can read. Um, our Spanish rap. We always get asked, why are you doing that? Well, a couple of reasons. One, there's a large community here who needs the same kind of service and attention, albeit on a more limited basis. Right. But we also know of a lot of folks who learn English by comparing what's in the almanac of the Spanish rap to the English version that's inside the paper. Sure. And that is something that is super hard to do on your smartphone if you're looking at it online. Mm -hmm. um, so, or if they know, don't have a smartphone. Exactly. You know, I mean, um, that's not a foregone conclusion. That is true. That is true. A lot of people think, oh, everybody has one. And it's not true. Um, right. Especially with economies the way they are right now. Right. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think there's something to be said as well for bringing these people that don't speak English as a first language into your community, in a sense. So, what's a good way to do that? Well, we publish the Almanac in Spanish, and they can go to these events and get a chance to talk to some neighbors and interact with other people that are that have been part of this community for a long time. And I think that shouldn't be lost either. So. Absolutely. Building a bridge, right. bringing people in. Cool. Well, we've talked about uh, what you want to see editorial, how you envision this thing moving forward, but I wanted to end by asking you what you need to see from others in the community in order to keep this thing flowing. So. 
what do you want to see from people? What do you need to see from advertisers? What do you want to see from the community moving forward? Well, I think that the June 1st, May 30th, whatever issue, what was the issue where we had the open letter to the community? Um, that, May, th that, May 31st, May and then 31st. we ran it again this week. We've run it twice now. Okay. We're all in this together. Um, we're always told what a great paper this is, how much people appreciate it. Well, it's time for everybody to put their money behind it if they can. And, and there's a lot of people in this community who can. Um, poor little Northeast is kind of a misdemeanor. Demographically, we have a very diverse um, income level, all the way from extremely high to extremely low. Mm -hmm. um, we've thought about going to subscription. Neither one of us really wants to do that. Mm -hmm. But we're going to be looking at ways um, the nonprofit is one way to get people to come in as literally community journalism supporters um, on an individual basis um, where um, people who may not own a business or be in an organization where a traditional ad fits can still support community journalism right. and that that's a model that we've not pursued before. We've got some exciting things that are uh, hopefully coming to fruition with our community improvement district along the avenue, our Independence Avenue CID, that will hopefully be of mutual benefit, you know, helping to support our endeavor as well as every business mm -hmm. in the CID. And so um, hoping that we get some final word on that soon because I think it would be an exciting feature for our readers and for those businesses as well. Intriguing tease, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have anything to add to that. It's just, uh, I think moving to the nonprofit model really allows the community to step up and support community journalism uh, right here in historic Northeast. And it would, you know, the so many times you in that nonprofit world you're supporting something that's that's far away or that you can't really put your hands on. And in this particular case, it's tangible. You can put your hands on it every single week, and and you've got that in your hands I was a part of this kind of experience so because we're all in this together, together. <laughs> so that's really that, that's really it moving forward now before we wrap up here uh, how long has this paper been in this community the the paper was started in 1932 and it's gone through a series of owners we're actually the fourth owners and owners interestingly enough owners seem to stick around about about 20 years mm -hmm. and then and then move on and we're we're on year 19 July 1st it'll be the 19th anniversary of our ownership of the Northeast News and mm -hmm. so uh, I'm, I'm just happy to be looking at that in a whole new light right now and with a, a very clear and strong path moving forward so listeners, before we wrap up, keep that in mind. Uh, Northeast News has been serving this community since 1932. So why don't we keep it that way? Michael, Chris, thank you for taking the time today. And uh, I had a blast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for the latest edition of the Northeast Newscast. Thank you once again to Michael and Chris for taking the time to come in early and talk to me about the past, the present, and the future of the Northeast News. Remember that you can download our podcast on iTunes, or you can go to our website, northeastnews.net, to see a link to it there. Until next time, I'm Paul Thompson, and this is the Northeast Newscast.